going on it. from my experience podcast family <laughs> i'm your host rob doing the most the oh, absolute my most. goodness and i'm your co-host jeff <laughs> That's what we're Wait, what was your today. name again? My my name is Jessica. <laughs> Jessica Townsend, actually. <laughs> it's even funnier now that you said your whole name. <laughs> oh. Oh, shout out to our uh, our listeners, our subscribers, our followers, our supporters. Thank you so 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 very much for continuing to stick with us on this wild and productive ride really quick i want to shout out our affiliates um acre gold i got my second bar of gold check out uh fme underscore podcast on instagram or if you're in the facebook group from my experience podcast i did an unboxing video showing a bit of my doofy personality so you could see what the two different um sizes bar sizes of gold they have two different sizes they have a two and a half gram bar and they have a five gram bar i have one of each so you can see what they look like um it is legit i don't know why people keep trying to say acre gold is fake it is not fake i have two physical bars of gold um shout out to retro mimi any of you who want open source devices so you can take your gaming on the go check out retro mimi black water they sell water that is literally black comes in various flavors and it is delicious shout out to jot forms for those of you in business who need to collect data like names addresses or just survey type information from clients or potential clients or interviewees like we do and you need that information quickly efficiently and stored in a nice safe place i would suggest you use jot forms and last but not least gardener's garden <clears throat> they sell all natural products skincare um hair care oral health care things of that nature all of those can be found in the description because we have a link tree link and we have those individual links as well so you can get those special codes um y'all already heard one of the people that we're being joined by today the co-host with the most who's always vibrating higher miss jessica fountain hello world <laughs> with that that long pause that's all you got you just hello world hello i'm happy to be here i always uh looking forward to our interviews so really happy about today's guest uh, who I knew personally. You know him for real? Oh. Yeah, I do. These are jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you knew him before I did. I'm not doing this with you today. You're going to do I this refuse. with me. I refuse. You... And then I'm kind of like, there we go. What? Yes. <laughs> Nothing. My screen was like acting a little wonky, but all things aside, I'm having a great day. Excellent, excellent. So. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an extremely special guest. Um, I love this brother. He is my brother from another mother. He is one of the people that I am the closest with on this planet. Um, he is a big brother. He is a pro fight. 
He has been a housemate. He has been a spiritual guide. And he has been one of the people to keep me on the right track. He has seen me at my absolute lowest when I was just about to quit and give up. I literally almost had nothing to my name. And he never judged me. He never insulted me. He always just uplifted and kept my spirits high. And I always have much love and respect for this brother. And I will defend this brother to the grave because... He is just a genuinely good person, supremely talented, designed the logo. If you've ever seen when I DJ'd, or actually it is the logo for my LLC, Complete Vision Entertainment. He is the designer of that. And yeah, man, I just can't, I can't thank him enough for what he has done and the role that he has played in my life. Like he has been there through, he's literally been there for me through the worst times in my life the worst absolute worst times in my life every single time he was there man i really appreciate him but without further ado ladies and gentlemen we have photographer graphic designer web communications manager creative director visual identity development director and founder and creator of colin myers photography and design ladies and gentlemen mr colin myers Hey there. <laughs> Classic. I knew I said let me let me let me start by saying that cuz most people know me by hey there or hello there, you know. It's <laughs> appropriate. But how do I go behind everything Rob just said? I don't know what to say now. I know, it made me feel like I didn't know you personally. Like I was like, well, gosh. Here's that was the thing about that like is that's so crazy. But you're worthy of all of it. Say it again, Rob. I said the thing about that that's crazy. He has done, I've seen him do the same for multiple people. Most people don't have the capacity to be there for people like that. Just one or two people. I've seen him do it for multiple people. Colin always sees the best in people. Always. Even when they piss him off. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. My personal get the patience. experience with you has always been great. So I always appreciate uh you for that our interactions over the years excellent excellent i like to leave a a a good taste in in people's mouth you know what i'm saying like i don't nobody to be thinking nothing crazy or to you know to start whispering stuff when you walk off yeah that's not good no you you give off authentic vibes good vibes excellent excellent my first question for you when did you discover that well, I'm going to assume art is one of your first loves. When did you discover your love for art? I want to say in the third grade. In the seat. I'm the youngest male cousin, first cousin. On my dad's side, so my older brother and my two older cousins, they, they were older than me. And they was like, when I was in the third grade, I don't know what grade they were in, but they were drawing. So me, I want to hang with the big fellas. I want to draw too. So I'm like, oh, I can draw that. And I think it was, uh, who came out? What cartoon came out was popular? Ninja Turtles and Marvel Comics was real popular. The X-Men cartoon came out. Um, I think this was, what, early 90s? Yeah. And so I'm like, shoot, I can draw too. I can draw, you know, Ninja Turtles. I can draw the lions and cartoons and X-Men. So I really wasn't competing with my classmates who also started drawing the popular cartoons. I was competing with people who were way better than me. And um, by that next year, 
I was like in the top two or three of my peers as far as drawing. And then that was fourth grade. So fifth grade, I just stuck with it. I stuck with it. I kept getting better and better and better. So you taught yourself how to draw? Um, I think my first real art teacher was in the sixth grade, sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Hmm. I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see it in your face. It's from like, what you just said. Wow. I mean, sounds like you, they might, it seems like you taught yourself, but someone may have helped you refine it later. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a very accurate uh, statement. Very accurate statement. Because sixth grade, all we did was uh, it taught us about, you know, line and shape and value and things of that nature. But as far as exercises, exercise, drawing exercises to bring that ability out, all we did was draw uh, still lifes. Hmm. Draw still life. Seventh grade, same thing. Uh, eighth grade, we didn't. I didn't do anything. Eighth grade, high school, I had a uh, an art teacher named Mr. Blackwell. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Blackwell. Um, now he he handpicked all of the artists from our high school and pretty much brought us under his wing and made sure, you know, okay, I see where you at. Let me teach you this to take you to a, a level higher, mm -hmm. level too high. Okay. So. <clears throat> Now, when I met you, I knew you were drawing, you were painting, and then later on, it developed into photography. So how did that transition work? Were you always interested in multiple, what's the word, mediums of art? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, every art class, it was always multiple things, multiple things. So, you know, of course, everyone has their favorite of what they like to hone in on, but I excelled in pretty much everything. Like if you, if you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> if you're the best. If you're the best in class when it comes to art and then y'all start doing uh, sculptures and then pottery and you know, why? Well, no, I'm going to try to be the best in the class on every medium we go through, everything we do, mm. try to be the best. So let me see. What was the question again? What, when, <laughs> when did you realize you, when did you, tra when did you transition into photography? There we go. Okay. Okay. Um, ooh. Uh, after I graduated from Claflin. I was pursuing grad school at USC um, to get my master in fine arts in painting. Mm -hmm. And um, in the process of doing that, I realized, you know, this is something I'm going to have to make a living off of. And being in Orangeburg, South Carolina, or the PD area of South Carolina, not too many people want paintings. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I found a client who wants to buy $800 to $2,000 painting, you know, when would be the next time you find another client? Right. Most people in this area, painting is not a high demand, especially at that time. Let's see, the 2007, 2008, 
not too many people are saying, oh, I want an oil painting done to hang on my, no. Yeah. No. So at that time, um, at that time, me and, uh, I'm trying to remember who, oh yeah, I remember exactly who, trying not to say certain names. Uh, <laughs> you and someone. Yeah, me and someone were, were, were dating. And, oh, shizzle. <laughs> oh lord uh-huh. me and someone we uh we were in a relationship and this individual they um they were also an entrepreneur they had their own clothing store and so all of their friends were always there and i was always there because i worked there as well and um they saw my photography work I did, you know, I did a photo shoot just playing around mm-hmm. and it was like, whoa, you took these pictures. I was like, yeah, you know, that's just a little something I do. I do, I do photography too. And it was like, we didn't know it. We knew you could draw and paint and sculpt and, you know, and, and murals, but we didn't know you knew photography. So I'm like, yeah, I do a little bit of everything. I do everything. So one of them was like, okay, well, she was. She was like seven and a half months pregnant. She was like, well, I want you to do my maternity shoot. I said, oh, okay, okay. At that time, I did not have a job. Mm-hmm. So why not? I mean, outside of working inside the store, why not? Extra money. Let's get it. So I did that. And I guess the other friends was like, we're going to see how these come out. You know, but when they saw how those pictures came out, they got excited and they wanted to take pictures. And, you know, Facebook was um, at that time, Facebook was just opening up to everyone outside of college. Yeah. And Facebook was um, that platform at that time was still young, but growing very fast. So. I want to say the algorithm back then was more quote unquote pure. Yeah. And um, so I posted pictures, they posted pictures. You know, they post who took the pictures. When I posted, they tagged them and a couple shares and likes and comments and things like that. And so it was easy to uh, grow very fast on Facebook. The Facebook growth is Siri. Yes. I remember those days, man. I remember some of those moments, man. It was, you know, you were emerging when, you know, I've said this on past episodes, you emerged, you were one of maybe outside of Cleve and Cecil, y'all were like the only three that I knew for photography. That was it, you know? Um, Me, Cleve, Cecil, Joey. um, Joey, yeah. Clarence Jackson, um, as far as Claflinites at that time. Says, but I don't know. I don't know if he was taking pictures back then. It was, it was a short, now it's like. <laughs> Martez, Martez came in like, maybe like three years after us because we were, we were real graphic design heavy. We were real yeah. graphic heavy and the main reason why we started main reason why me joey and montez started doing photography because three of us used to talk about this all the time we were like we're doing designs for people but they're giving us very we need pictures to put on the flyers and designs right and they were giving us very bad pictures 
very, very, very bad pictures. So um, we was like, yo, let's, um, Joey got his camera first, then I got mine, then Montez got his, and we was shooting. We were shooting, and um, next thing you know, more people wanted pictures than they wanted flyers and design work. <laughs> you must be real happy. Now, that, I get tired of all these photos. People take photos for no reason. Oh, I bought some new pots. Oh, I got some shoes. Oh, my new nail polish. Hey, my hair is what? You didn't let me transition to the dudes. Yeah, I got my new suit, what you know what I'm saying? Say? Look at my new car. <laughs> like, that's good for you, though. So, is it... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a answer well, I'm this one way. of these people. That's why I, I, you know, how do they say like you throw a rock in a crowd of dogs? The one you hit hollers like that would be me. I take a lot of pictures, but I never heard that before. <laughs> you never heard of that? Uh uh. Okay. Throw so a rock true. at a crowd of dogs. Throw a rock in a crowd of dogs, and the one you hit will holler. So meaning, when you say things that you don't attach a name to and the person who gets offended or says like, I didn't say that. Nobody said you did. We were just talking. But the one that you impact hollers them. Got you. Okay. Okay. I get away with nothing. Uh, <laughs> you get away with nothing. You get away with nothing with you. Whatever. I, I mean, it's so interesting hearing your story when it comes to transitioning um, from mediums because I the first time I, I have only, I guess, worked with you once, which was when I commissioned you for the piece in college. Do you remember that? No, maybe. Was it me? <laughs> it was you. Um, yeah. You did a piece for me for my ex-boyfriend at the time. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I don't remember what I did, but I remember. I'm laughing because he did yeah. a photo shoot with me and someone who almost became an ex. We didn't even make it, but go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't photos. It was actually art. Yeah. I was one that got you. It was, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a drawing or painting. I can't remember what meeting you did it for, but it was for um, my ex when I was talking to Duran. So, d what? I can't say that? You can say whatever you want. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't expecting you to. <laughs> this, this for me is not like. That's not a bad thing. thing. Go ahead. It's fine. Yeah. So um, that, and then I took a picture, you know, at homecoming, but that was more on the free low tip. So, but uh, <laughs> you, took some pictures. you know how people like, can you take a picture? It was like you took a couple of pictures on the brick um, on the brick wall. At the yeah. Front. Yeah. So capturing the moment, you know. Yeah, one of those one of those moments. So, all right, I, I love I, your work. I got a hardball question for you because I dealt with this when I was DJing heavy. How in the hell do you come up with your pricing structure? My pricing structure is a whole lot different than the average photographer because, and they and and I've caught a lot of I've caught a lot of uh, <laughs> hey, I'm talking about um sneak this is on social media and everything my pricing is different because hmm, the things that it would take the things that would take the average photographer to do it won't take me that much time or effort to do why because of my background in art it's pretty much my cheat code in photography mm -hmm. so 
I mean, if you have anyone who's trained in one thing for years, and then you have someone else who hasn't been trained in it, but they learned the basics, um, of course, the other person is going to have the advantage. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I do my pricing, the bulk of my price is on what people love my work for, which is the retouching aspect. Um, and the retouching takes time. So pretty much a quick, a quick drive by on retouching. Let's say, or the differences between editing, retouching, and a high-end retouch. So an edit is pretty much color correction. You might shoot the picture and at an event or whatever, you know, um, so you got a lot of pictures or a wedding or whatever, baby shower, whatever, and you want to um, brighten the colors up a little bit, make the colors pop a little bit, you know, boom, that's it. Uh, an edit is uh, removing a flyaway hair or something, taking a pimple off, this, that, and the third, and color correction. A high-end retouch, hmm. high-end retouch, that could take two to three to four hours, depending on what's going on. That's when you're really going into the picture, removing blemishes to make the picture either uh, visually uh complete or i don't want to say perfect because it's not going to be perfect i would say visually complete or if it's to a goal of let's say if i'm doing something for uh, advertisement say a product advertisement like lipstick or something mm -hmm. so it would be it would be a high-end retouch to look a certain type of way to accentuate to uh accentuate the the lips gotcha lipstick so with my pricing the shoot comes easy to me. The shoot comes easy to me. That's my I have my cheat code as to why. Um, they're going to be paying a lot for the retouch. Gotcha. They're going to be paying a lot for the retouch. I give them a copy of all the pictures we shoot. Nice. And, nice. and um, that was the part that a lot of people would, <laughs> they would get very upset. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it? Because a lot of photographers back then, all of, a lot of them do it now. But back then, they would um, only give the people, let's say they shoot for like an hour or two, they will only get like six pictures and they won't even get all the other pictures they shot. Right. But mm -hmm. me, you know, I was like, okay, let me give you these to look at and think about while I work on these. So, it, you know, the time, limit, the time that it takes for me to do the retouch or the higher retouch, they'll be okay with it because they got these over here to look at. Right. Um, and they have their pictures and period. People love, like, that's the thing people don't understand. When it comes to receiving service, people like their stuff. I want something. I just gave you money. You gave me your time, which is, right. that's the transfer, but I still want something tangible. I want stuff, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pleasing your client psychologically. Let me get their head in the right place. Right. Right. Right That's place. a good point. I mean, a lot, I feel like it's a piece of business that a lot of people don't capitalize off of when it comes to there's front end processes and back end processes and understanding what the client wants on the front end. Like you said, psychologically pleasing and it's not manipulative. I mean, I guess in the true word of the word, what manipulate means, but not in a negative way. It is to really kind of set that tone and set that understanding of 
they're ready to receive it and they're ready they're they're now the ideal client because you've kind of got their juices rolling in terms of something to like and engage with and mm-hmm. i guess that could be another avenue of income for you because they might have picked five pictures for you to do a high-end retouch but when they're looking through oh i want you to do these three t- three as well mm-hmm. yep Man. they don't mind paying they do not mind paying yeah, you have some quality work. I, I saw what oh. you posted recently on Instagram. Appreciate it. That was a little different. <laughs> Those hearts weren't dark enough. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah, tell me Instagram real quick. And I purposely did that, too. <laughs> I purposely did that. Purposely. Okay. Tell them your Instagram real quick. My Instagram is colon M Myers, the C O. L I N M and another M Y E R S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that on my Instagram, I purposely post certain pictures. That's um, because I shoot all types of photography. Um, I only post uh, models and artistic things on my Instagram page. Oh, I did not oh, see I did her. Not see her. Pardon me. So my, I, oh, I'm I thinking about the, um, the, the latest one. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm thinking I'm going to start another Instagram page to show the weddings and the event photography and nice. also uh, branding photography, the stuff I do at Claflin University. With the billboards and the calendars and and the advertisements and things of that nature. Is it like the sure. dream come true to be able to work for your alma mater? One of oh them. my. Ooh, ooh. Maybe uh, not a dream come true. <laughs> Maybe next, a, question? A dream <laughs> next question. Next question. Moving on. <laughs> that was too personal, y'all. Not, not, not that we had anything negative to say. <clears throat> right, right. Uh, <laughs> do okay. Um, do you honestly feel like okay? So let's say this: um, if you had some words of wisdom for someone coming in behind you, or some of your fellow photographers out there, because I know you. You know, I come to you when I need artistic advice. You're one of the few people that I come to, and I'll send you a picture or something, and I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? And you'll kind of give me the artistic view. What is something you see or notice, you know, similar to what you said, like how some people don't give people multiple pictures? What's something you see that's that's running rampant, that's common in your field of photography that you wish would change or that people would reconsider that would help their business? Um... Hmm. Uh, no shade, y'all. This is just to help y'all out. Yeah, definitely no shade. Definitely no shade. Be- I would urge them to either find a mentor, a qualified mentor, qualified. Okay, let me back up. Uh, let's see. I wouldn't say qualified. Well, yeah, qualified. Yeah. Um, to find a good mentor. See, the problem is, the problem is a lot of people don't know what looks good. Mm. 
They don't know what looks good. There's a lot of yes men and a lot of yes women that are surrounding artists all the time. So they really don't know what looks good. And if they are always surrounded and seeing things that's mediocre, in their mind, this is acceptable. And then they're mediocre, get passed to different people around them and they accept it. So they really don't know what looks good. So in grad school, we, um, every class we had to make a Pinterest, uh, not a Pinterest, we had one Pinterest account, but we have to make a, what do you call a folder on Pinterest? Uh, yeah, for every class. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, what was the name of it? We had a specific name for it every semester. I can't remember. But you had to post things that look good and you have to explain why it looked good. And the, pur and the purpose of it was to, um, to teach them because when you know when you're going in grad school you don't know how their training was in that at their uh, colleges some people over here might have this amount of training some people might have that much training and you know that was to hone everybody into this one to the same page to bring some people up and the people who are already up there good for you um and it and uh so the other photographers advice to them find someone who knows what looks good. They need to learn what looks good as well. And they need to study under that person. If they can't go and actually get into a classroom at an institution of higher learning and do it, find a mentor that's cheaper, that's faster. Find a mentor, study under that person. That person can teach them everything they need to know and they get real time, real life experience because they can go with them to shoots. They can uh, help them help and assist them with shoots. They can uh, watch them retouch and edit pictures and and all of those things because it's a lot of people. The whole entrepreneur, the the the, the I'm trying to choose my words wisely. <laughs> uh, entrepreneurship has really become a trend. Yes, it's a gig economy. People just doing it for a quick dollar. They don't care about the passion. I'll say it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, there there are a lot of people who are doing it because of the trends. Some people are being talked into it, but really, that's not really not their role. Like, there's a there's a there's a sense of leadership in entrepreneurship, and everyone is in, is not a leader. Mm. Ooh. So. That's a word. <laughs> Everyone is not a leader. I, I definitely feel you on that. I kind of, um, I ran into that when I started DJing because I love music and I, I curated playlists. I just didn't want to give y'all the top 20 songs on the radio. Like I dug deep into the crates and I pulled stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I, I got album cuts. You know what I mean? Like I used to always get people come up to me at my gigs like, ooh, I ain't heard that in a minute. Like that's what I love. Like I, I just, it, it irks my nerves if I go, and I get it. If you DJ a lot, I get it. You have sets. But it's like, there's been times, and you know this in undergrad, you would go to five parties and you would hope that they would have a different DJ because if they had the same DJ, a lot of times you would hear the exact, you would just know their whole set. And it's right. like, dog, you only got this one set? Like, you just did this a month ago. Like, there's so much 
music out there. There's so much you can dig into and give and create this experience. But there are some people, and again, this ain't shade. There are just some people that had that work that system because they look, I got a reputation. This is easy for me. I can run this set. They're going to pay me. I'm good. This is my formula. But it's like, I love the DJs who dig in and give you that passion. Shout out to DJ D-Nice during the pandemic. Stupid DJing on Instagram, you know, five hours, like just sets. And then he was consistently doing, you get different music every time. Like, that's what I love. So I feel what you're saying when you say everyone's not a leader and how it's kind of like, so for some people, it's just a gig. It's just like, it's just like them going to work. And it's like you, when it comes to art, you know, music being an art form, you have the power to control people's feelings, their mood. You're like, right. you, you are the event. And it's like, take advantage of that. Like, this is something special. Like this is someone's wedding. Like you want this to be a memorable event for them. So you need to embed that into your work. But some people just look at it like as a, as a paycheck. I mean, I've seen, and I'm not an artiste, but uh, I've seen people's photo shoots and stuff like that. And I'm just like, Ooh, ooh, ooh you pay for that? <laughs> like <laughs> you pay for that. And I'm like, mm, yeah, y'all can't, that's the other thing. You can't always run from people's price tags, man. Like my price was my price, but you got what you paid for. You got good quality equipment, good quality sound, someone who was there early, someone who catered to your needs, you know what I'm saying? And you, you, you had no complaints, never got any complaints when I DJ ever. So I went on a rant there, but I, I definitely feel where you're coming from. And again, that's something I learned by watching you. You were always very passionate about what you did and you took it very serious. Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And and when you were talking about the comparing the other DJs to yourself, how they would play the same thing over and over again. We have a lot of, in photography, we kind of have that too. I like to call it the, and this is not a bad thing, but the only way I can think of describing it is like Olin Mills. Y'all remember Olin Mills? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just, and you sit down and you smile and say, one, two, three, smile, boom, take the picture and then, you know, y'all leave. Yeah. Like that picture, that type of photography captures what's there. It's art. I'm not going to say it's not art. It's art. And then you have those photographers who are pretty much are like that. They're doing this as a business for money to sustain themselves, you know, shout out to them. Um, but that's just not the path that I chose to take. You know, I'm an artist first and I, I don't do it to survive. You know, the Lord is blessing. So I use my job to fund my photography so I can do what I want to do. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily have like some clients still they will approach you like I'm just I'm trying to give you money I'm trying to put money in your pocket like and I'm just like first of all you think I need you <laughs> <laughs> just being honest yeah. like you know they 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 some clients kind of talk to you in a sense like they're um like they got a dollar on the string and they pulling the string down the street and they want you to chase the dollar. Right. And I think that, I mean, not to get off of the topic, but that is a, a point that I've, it's such a toxicity within us, <laughs> kind of like, uh, we have to, I feel like there are standards as a business owner that I should be 
uh, held accountable to, but then also as a consumer, there are standards that when we deal with each other, we always, we don't always have the same standard as a consumer. And it's like, not that you're, um, it's one thing to patronize a business, but to always think of it as like this struggling thing that needs your help, that, that needs to be saved by you. Right. Like versus me patronizing a business because I want to support this business. I believe in this business and I want to grow this business. Growing it and supporting, like, and just, like you said, pulling that string, like I got power of the string and you you need me to survive. But it's like that mentality, I think is really detrimental to um, small business, black business, women-owned businesses, whatever the case may be, minority businesses. I feel like we have to elevate our thinking as a consumer because there's certain conversations that we wouldn't have with a fortune company. You wouldn't have, right. oh, um, a, a few weeks ago, um, you're not asking Target about, you know, if they, certain, certain pieces of their process, we just take it like, yeah. oh, they don't sell that no more. And then you buy whatever else they do sell, or you don't, uh, become that same, almost a sense of full ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to invest in something, but it's another thing to like state claim and power in it as if you, you are the, the, I don't know, change agent. Like you're the person that's calling the shots. Like, yeah. no, we appreciate you. We value you. Like at least in, in my businesses, I always, I know that, um, my business thrives off of, of support and patronage, mm-hmm. but there is a great percentage of the work that I do that I it is it, in it's anchored in something so much deeper than that. Like and even if it's not you per se, you know, patronizing the business, I am doing work that will continue consistently churn out people interested and wanting to patronize the business because I'm thinking about c- customers in a broader concept every interaction with my business. So I think we have to kind of look at it from a different angle. And a lot of times we don't, we do look at it from that inferior perspective of, I I, I supported you. Like I I did this for you. I was trying to help you out. Like maybe I didn't need saving. Like you're not my only client. So you're not my only client and you're probably not a high dollar client. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Usually people that think like that have small mentality because they don't see themselves in the bigger scope. So you're you you're thinking you're saving this business that doesn't need saving. And again, your um your patronage is on on a you don't know the scale of the business. So it's not like you're you're renting me out for or uh, acquiring my services for three days and this is three days worth of pay. Usually it's a person that wants the micro version of what you have to offer, the baseline mm-hmm. introductory freebie level yeah. of yeah. of your offering. They have their own language of doing that too. They say things like, I need a small photo shoot. I need a quick photo shoot. Yeah. I just need a I just well, need they, you to find something quick for me. Just a little quick design. What? Yeah. 
Okay, you go to McDonald's, not even McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's. You go to McDonald's. Hey, I just need a quick sandwich, just something quick. You know, I, no, you're going to pay. You're going right. to pay the whole you're thing. Gonna, you're not getting a half a sandwich today. Yeah, like, right. you're going to either have to, you know, commit to <laughs> the dollar cheeseburger, or it's probably not even a dollar at this point. It's dollar fifty, which they went up, and you still patronize them. When we came around, it was a dollar, but mm-hmm. things have changed. Margins have changed. So they have adjusted. So you're going to either invest in that or you're going to level up and pay the five or six dollars for the premium, whatever, on a Kaiser bun or whatever that comes on. And I feel like whether you're talking about McDonald's, where you're talking talking about, you know, middle line businesses, everybody has a baseline of service. Uh, intermediate level of service and okay you fully committed you in this thing and you want you want premium service and i think that all of that comes at a price tag whether you're you want your cheeseburger you want a burger you want a cheeseburger or do you want a bacon cheeseburger like right. all of those things come with a little bit more and you're going to pay a little bit more and i think we we don't it, it's it's really kind of like a self-sabotage, mental, I don't know, it like is. hate or something. And it, it's it's subconscious because I think sometimes people consciously do it. Um, but those are like the true manipulators. And then I think that there are so many people that subconsciously haven't identified their own worth. So therefore they're looking at it like from their, their projecting mm. if they were an owner, like, yeah. Um, let me just like you you assume there's a lot of assumption there. So yeah. they come at it from not looking at their business as a business. Instead, yeah, I just sell plates. No, you, that's a business. Yep. Whether you sell plates or not, there's a guy that comes through the studio now and they have their own uh restaurant business, but they during the pandemic they've transitioned to um having like basically meal prep meals. So the meal is already ready. All you got to do is heat it up. But they, it's re- really smart because they go through businesses like my own where you have 40 people under this one roof that may or may not have had a lunch today. And you've now solved their problem by coming in with your cart of already pre-prepared meals to say, hey, you need lunch today? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. You right. need lunch today? And so they're selling these meals that they would sell already in their space. But... Maybe their space is not doing that well. So I don't know. It's like paying for service, paying for levels of service. Is this how much of a problem is this person resolving for you? Like, if if I'm coming to you, making meals for you, and serving you, and giving you a whole experience, you're gonna pay more than that than if you came and picked up the catering. Because now all I am is just giving you the food. Right. You now have to go plate that, serve it, do whatever with it. But I, I, I solved a lot more of your problems when I brought it to you, set it up, served right. it, and fed you. That's four different that's four different avenues they of service that you need to account for. And I don't think we think of it that fully. They don't. And it's really it's really abusive. Like it's abusive in business to to not value. Like uh even if you're more than what I'm willing to pay, I would <laughs> say thank you for the information and I appreciate that and you know uh, I still I when when I meet people that are more than what I can afford or more than what I've budgeted like I either 
tell them that and walk away mm-hmm. or I say, hey, I've gone back to the drawing board and negotiate. And a negotiation isn't saying, hey, can you come down pro- lower and give me all of what you're saying? It's like, all right, this is my budget and what can I achieve with this budget? Right. That's me asking you a question for you to now meet me. All right, well, maybe I can do this for you. I can get you X amount of pictures for maybe an hour instead of two and a half hours is what I quoted you and ultimate retouches. I can do minimum retouches and shoot with you for an hour and that'll probably get me around where you're budgeted. That yeah. is how you negotiate a price. It's right. not saying, can I come? Um, the hood discount. You, you ain't got no specials or <laughs> can you go? Like, is it cheap? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. The like, Facebook there's special. a way to ask these questions yeah. and I get it. We all have different budgets and different sources, but it's how you ask the question it's- and how you approach it like it's a it's a it's the funny thing is i know what the problem is the problem is the average consumer does not have to calculate what their time is worth so they don't it's a foreign concept but when you work for yourself you know what you need to survive you know how long it takes you to complete a project so everything you can attach a dollar amount to your actual time so you know who is worth it who is not i'm charging you a specific price because i need to meet this price this many times so that I can be okay. But y'all not thinking about that. Y'all thinking, man, I can go here and get that or go ahead and get that. Yeah, you're haggling. You're trying to haggle with me, but you can't compare me to Walmart Target. They're a billion dollar companies and they're ordering 50 billion of these t-shirts. I'm ordering right. 30. Like it's right. different for me, but right. forget all that. Forget this. Right, y'all, that- y'all do the, do the right thing when it comes to supporting businesses and working with people, man, and have an intellectual conversations. And, uh, yeah. Question for you, Colin. What was... Wait, I uh, got a question, too. Go. Thank you. <laughs> I, I do. I got to really... When it comes to uh, art, I feel like right now, a lot of people, two different areas of um, the with the pandemic has been art or either exercise as outlets, like expressing art through cooking, through painting, through writing lyrics, or they're really getting out, trying new ways of exercise and taking hikes. Like, how how has your art um, helped you in that process personally? And on the flip side of that, what has been a struggle during this time for you as a professional or in your creativity? Let me tackle the struggle part first. <laughs> um, let's see, let's see. So when the pandemic came in, there wasn't too much information. We didn't know too much about COVID-19, you know. So even though I could still do a photo shoot at a distance, I can put on my telephoto lens and stand way back and still take the pictures, but I I just decided not to do that. So as far as taking pictures, it was it was quiet for a while. It was quiet for a while. And then um, I think it was Vogue magazine. They were saying, you know what, let's do a virtual photo shoot. So a virtual photo shoot. So, okay, so people like myself who 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 really like, um, what's the words? My words trying to leave me. Let me reel it back in. Mm-hmm. Um, art therapy. There we go. You know, I needed a little art therapy. You know, the whole, I live in a, a apartment by myself. So it's like 
quarantine. You can't really go nowhere. And I get uh, tired of looking at these four walls. These four walls are tired of looking at me. So um, Vogue magazine, they did, uh, I forgot which model and which photographer, but they did a virtual photo shoot. They did uh, FaceTime photo shoots and, and all of that. So the the model would be on the other end, I get, let's say uh, cell phone, FaceTime, mm -hmm. right? They would be on their end, pretty much like the backdrop I'm on now or wherever their setting is. And the photographer would be there hitting the capture button, capturing the, as long as she's in the frame, as she's posing, they're capturing it. And when they capture it, you just upload it to your computer and you get it. I've seen some photographers who actually clean their screen off very, very good, hold their camera up and they shoot. Wow. The screen of their um, laptop. Now here's a fun fact. Here's a fun fact. Speaking on that art therapy, those last three pictures on my page, art therapy, and those last three pictures, I was not even there. That was a virtual photo shoot. You a lie. Through, through FaceTime. Wow. There's no way you captured those cheeks without being there. I took mm -hmm. the pictures, <laughs> airdropped them from my MacBook. I mean, airdropped them from my iPhone to my MacBook, took them in Photoshop. Wow. Was not even there. <sighs> okay. Yep. Mine is blown. Now I'm trying yep. to see if I can tell. I can't tell. <laughs> Dang. I'm blown away with that. Actually, I had never heard of that at all. That's crazy. So, so the, the pandemic really uh, also led me to going into a lot of my older photos because I still wanted to retouch at least. Still mm -hmm. wanted to post mm -hmm. new content uh, for my page. So I found a couple old gems. Then I realized I have a lot of old gems. I got a whole jewelry box of, of old gems that I could revisit um, and retouch the photos. I feel like I'm off topic. I don't know if I even answered that question. Uh, Jessica? <laughs> well, yes, and so the other part of the question was too. When it comes to what, so you you were able to find uh, art therapy in getting creative and actually going non-traditional. What have you felt confined in by, I, I know you started with feeling like, you know, you're tired of being in the house, but what is still, I guess, like a rift and something that you have struggled with in in your art or was that it and you you found a solution for it um the struggle and the it's more of a struggle yeah finding like-minded individuals who share the same goal that you have i mm -hmm. need i need a i have Let's see, let me see, let's see, let's see. I have found very close friends, very, very, very close friends. Um, we all want to push our, we all want to push our, we all have a passion for the arts and our particular form of arts that we study. And we all want to take it to new heights. But mm -hmm. 
I'll say it like this. We all want to go to the mall. So we get in the car together with our skills and we are heading down that direction. We're practicing and we are creating together. We all want to go to the mall. But at the end of the day, when I get there, I'm going to, let's say, GameStop. They're going to Sephora. This person is going to the hair store. So when we get to a certain level, we're going to have to separate. Mm-hmm. Where I want to go is more so over here. Where they want to go is more so over there. So now I'm at the point as to where me personally, I, I'm going more towards uh, editorial submissions to mm-hmm. be published in, in top magazines. I've been published in the magazine before I've been published in Sheen magazine uh, I want to say three times, three or four times. Hmm. And and um, shout out to Sheen Magazine. Um, shout out to Jessica, too. Um, she was Jessica. a class on night, too. She was in the art department. She's the um, art director. Okay. Um, Publishing. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Because Sheen Magazine is a great magazine, and the part about it in the in the photography and model world, a lot of people like to put published on the under their uh, under their profile pictures or on their profiles and stuff. Clubhouse published model, published photographer, published where? <laughs> Facebook. Oh. <laughs> you know, like that. I wish I had that TikTok music. You know, the latest thing was somebody would say something, then they'll sit up, then the sound would change. You know what I'm saying? You're a published model, published where? Where is the magazine? <laughs> is the magazine printed? Is it your homeboy's magazine that this like three pages long? Like, no, I want to aim not to throw shade, but I'm just saying reach higher. Sometimes we just got to reach a little higher. And I want to reach high. I want to be published. I am going to be published. Yes. In magazines yes. where you can go inside of the store, pick the magazine up off the shelf, turn to page 87 or 36, and you will see my work there. That's where I'm going. Some people, and, and um, let me back up a little bit. So most of the times photographers have different makeup artists, hairstylists, wardrobe stylists. Right. Um, fashion designers they have a whole team they call them well some people call them like the glam teams or glam squads things of that nature we've been my team we've been given the name glam squad but that's the story for another day um but sometimes they have these different teams and one person they might want to do celebrities this person over here might want to do editorials this person over here they might want to focus on runway and fashion shows you know what I'm saying? So at this point where I'm at right now, I'm just, um, I'm in a place physically as far as location, that's not everybody's goal. Right. That's not everybody's goal. A lot of people don't even want to go to the, in referring to my analogy, analogy to the quote-unquote mall they uh a lot of people now they are happy with just posting something off their cell phone and getting likes Oof. Mm-hmm. The they minimal. just want likes those they want that high of 
everybody giving them that attention. You know, um, I told someone not too long ago, um, social media has brought a level of selfishness out of people mm-hmm. that that makes that makes them only think about them and want more about them. And they might not see it, you know, but that small seed can grow into a tall tree real mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that a lot of people need to watch out for. Because it's true. I mean, it's all—it's kind of obvious that a lot of people do things. Do what to say? Do it for the ground. Do it for the likes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of, you know, South Carolina is not the fashion capital. Like, you know, it's not Atlanta, Vegas. Yes, it is. Or. <laughs> <laughs> Is 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 not you know I had to explain that to the photographers and the and the models and everyone on uh, Clubhouse. I'm like, you're in LA. You got all these different um, uh, modeling agencies that you can just go and they'll find a model for you and they'll send them to you or you go to the agency and y'all shoot and you can you can do uh, pulls from different boutiques and high end clothing stores. We can't do that in South Carolina. They we got the resources. Go. Yeah, they have many, many, many resources. So the next question becomes: How do you pursue this while you're in while you're in the location you're in? Now, if this was '87, I would have to move. But this is 2021. We we are very much into a virtual world where you can do anything and really don't have to be there. That's scary. Right. You really don't have to be there. It's scary. It's inspiring. It's a lot of different things, but it's like going to like being responsible with your art, responsible in the why. Like I think all of that because it is scary. I like it's in. It has a level of intimidation to it because when I look at those photos, I would have never guessed the caliber of the photo and the finish on it. that that was that you were not in the room like uh it the aesthetic there is very polished and very um editorial so it it is very i mean like that just broke out it made me stop and wonder it's like stopping like wow because even i i've done a lot of shoots but all of my shoots have been in landscape spaces so meaning i I've, everything has been me as the subject, but like I'm also engaging with the the background or some type of landscape, some type of scene in the background. Um, so I've never done a studio shoot, like in studio a backdrop, and to see that shoot done virtually, it's just like wow, okay. Like, I didn't know that was a thing or possible. Um, so, yeah. Say it again. Yeah. She was in her bathroom. I just had, I just cut her out. Cut the background out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, since I interjected the last time, Rob, I want to give you the opportunity to ask your question. You were so gracious. And yeah, yeah, me- yeah, 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 yeah. I call that. I appreciate you. My, my final question for you, uh, you kind of answered already as to where you're going next. Um, I guess, what is your what is your why? Why the publishing route? 
Um, I worked with magazines in the past. And um, actually, one of the guys who was over one of them wrote me today. I have to call, call him when I get off of here. But I've worked with them before in the team aspect of it. Um, I like I like the as the teamwork aspect of it, where each person can focus on one area versus me having to put the outfits together, and I have to set up. I already have to set up or either find a location and and scout that location for where the sun is at different times of the day to to to, to figure out what's the best time to shoot. Or I have to set up the backdrop and figure out what type of lighting. There's a lot of research goes going in uh, that takes place before a shoot. Um, and, you know, if I have to do extra on top of that, fixing the flyaway hairs, fixing the hairs, making sure the makeup is right, this, that, and the third. I got a whole team of people. Everybody focus on everybody got one job. You got one job and you got to do your one job right. You know, that that was very, very, very good. I've done all types of photography. I've done weddings, uh, different types of other events, but weddings is a more popular. Weddings is considered its own genre. Um, I've done a little bit of sports photography. Uh, I've never done landscape. I've done everything except landscape. So out of all of these, I enjoy fashion photography and fashion editorial the most understand the most. i could see that just by knowing your work and looking at your work yeah so and now and, that's what's published <laughs> and also advertising art advertising as well that's fun fun and easy advertising is fun is fun and easy um if we you know, as an entrepreneur, I keep jumping on entrepreneurship as a whole, but I mean, it kind of fits. It kind of fits. As an entrepreneur, you have to look at, you know, we are problem solvers. And you mm -hmm. have to figure out, you have to figure out what, you know, if I'm doing this thing, do I know my target audience? And is there enough of my target audience around to sustain me? Mm -hmm. If I decide to do this, you know, and um, so if we look at the problem solver, first of all, do your target audience even know that this problem exists? <laughs> if they're happy where they're at, why would they even, you know, if they're happy where they're at, why would they, why would they, you know, put more money into what what they're doing so as a as a designer and a photographer i have to i clearly see that a lot of entrepreneurs and some businesses they are lacking in the uh visual aspects of their presentation mm -hmm. of who they are what their company is things of that nature how could they advertise this it's 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 in bulk. It's a whole lot of that going on right now, and it's not e it's not hard to show someone where they could be, where they can be. You could be here, but you're right here. So 
let me show you the difference uh, between where you're at and where you can go quickly and easily. And by doing this, it was visually it'll set you a standard. It'll set you higher to a higher standard. And then when you do that, when your presentation goes here, your product um, your product will prop is probably already there. A lot of times people have good product, but their presentation just needs a little help, a little push. Yep. And what happens is next thing you know, they actually can charge more because That's they crazy. have a more prominent presentation with their brand. Say if someone has a boutique and their logo looks kind of kind of bad, you know, needs a little work yep. and nothing is put together. You know, I could go in and redesign their logo. This is where the um, visual identity comes into play. Redesign the logo, re take that logo, redo their business cards. Um, we just plan out maybe two or three shoots, um, create the advertisements, uh, even, even down to the inside of the boutique, you know, decide what, uh, set up different components inside of the boutique that match the brand and the brand standards. So when you see the business cards, the advertisements, the boutique itself, everything is in alignment and is together. So have y'all ever, uh, clothing stores like express? Yeah. You go inside of express or any, or any major clothing store, you will see what I'm talking about. You will see, the whole presentation thing is, is uniform. Nike, a uh, Foot Locker, when you see Nike, Nike has many different products, but when you look at the different products, you you will know it's Nike by how it's presented. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a fact. Aren't that's you, a fact. lot of entrepreneurs need artists right now, but if you knew better, you do better, and a lot of people just don't know. They've been just accepting, you know. Stop accepting, just, people. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think they're accepting us. I think a lot of people don't realize, like, we talk about this often, Rob, but, like, when you, this unlearning, oh, I could just do this myself. I could just, there yeah. are a lot of things. I'm extremely resourceful, and I'm a person that has, is an artist by nature, but I'm getting to the point where, okay, where technology has grown, where things have grown, I'm no longer, like, I probably should delegate that. I need to get, I could do it myself, but I feel like at the end of the day, you're going to know that I did it myself. So, yeah. and the amount of time that it would take me to do it, I could be using, fully utilizing myself um, and thinking like a leader, going back to those leadership, like as an entrepreneur resolving problems, if I'm optimizing my time, the best use of my time is to use it in my lane where I am the expert, like, because I can really get things done over there and move, move faster versus trying to be in your lane and do something that you do really well and not allowing you the space to do that. And let me work on this, what I do well, like I could outsource that, but we won't outsource because of these like data, like a lot of it is unlearning unlearning what to be cheap about like i understand yes. we, we come from places where you might not have had the money at one point and maybe it was too much no matter what it was it was too much when i look at like my apartment now versus the very first apartment i ever got 
like what my budget was then and what my budget is now is not that I'm just balling out of control, but I've grown. Like I've put in a lot of work (laughs) to grow to this space. Be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right. with that, like when I lived my very first apartment, I had uh, two roommates, not one. Like, and that was in Orangeburg. And so we were splitting the rent three ways, everything three ways. So now, like I've grown and it's like, you don't have to continue to struggle. You can unlearn that struggling process, that struggling mentality and really utilize people for their skill set and be okay with it and be okay to cut the check. And I'm and recognize that it's really an investment into your own thing. So if we collaborate on a project and I have a photo shoot for a spread or a campaign that I'm working on, the investment comes twice. I'm investing in your brand because I'm supporting you over, again, other, um, other artists. But then it's also a dual investment in my, in myself because now I'm choosing you because I think you're the expert and you bring a quality of work to the table and into my own brand and my own campaign because now I have quality pictures that I can use and utilize and do the business aspect. And I think so many times we look at it as just one fold and let uh, I'm trying to help you out. Like, no, we really, I'm really helping myself out in the process if I look at me as being a part of the team. And it's like, stop thinking like a crab. Stop thinking like a person that's, I'm just always out here trying to put somebody else on instead of putting myself on. Like, I want quality work. I want to work with people that bring their very best to the table. And when when you do meet those people, you also got to show that they're that good and valuable by paying what their prices are. Like, or be able to I want my barter money. something equally as val- valuable. I still believe in the barter system. Like, I know a lot of people are like, no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, but, like, everything ain't about a dollar. Like, right. so if that's you meet somebody that's super dope and they got the re- they got the access, but I got the, the, the talent and... You create that, you're, you you negotiate that. All right, this is a shoot, but I want this to be produced in, if that, going back to the magazine, if you know that they have the pull to be, I want this in the next six, six months. <laughs> like, whatever it is, something that's going to move your brand forward, but it doesn't always have to come down to money. And I think we get stuck on money and pride and all of these other, like, I don't know. Uncle Charlemagne. Yeah, Uncle Charlemagne said it best. He's like, every opportunity is not attached to a paycheck. And back to what you said, um, I that used to be me, jack of all trades, master of none. Real estate taught me to delegate, delegate, delegate. Let me focus on what I'm good at and keep my time, and I can pay you. Because all you're doing is you're paying someone to occupy time normally that you would normally have to occupy. So, you know what I'm saying? You should be focusing on the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 dollars an hour work, not the five, six, seven, eight dollars an hour work. Get that to somebody else. That's not where your profit is. Your profit is here. So invest in that. Y'all just yeah. got a whole business seminar tonight. Should have charged y'all for that. But Brother Myers <laughs> has an important call to make because he's he's gonna be published soon. 
Uh, but I want to thank you, my brother, for joining us on this episode. We truly appreciate it. Thank you for dropping the gems. You actually gave me some business things to think about. Um, branding is highly important, y'all. Those of you looking to start a business or you are in business and things aren't moving the way that you would like for like for them to, I do challenge you to really look at your brand as a whole, kind of like what Brother Myers just said. Look at your business cards. Look at your website. Look at your pages. Look at your social media. Is it cohesive? If it's not, get with someone who does visual design and those digital identities and invest in your business so that that person can help those things come together. You, you, it'll pay yeah. you in the long run. But in business consulting, if you need someone, I would be your girl. So <laughs> shameless plug. One yeah. or the other. Find find experts, people that have done work. Yes, I would be your girl. JessicaRenee.com backslash consulting. I did that, Rob. Close your mouth. I'm stunned. Uh, Brother Myers, where can they find you? How can they contact you? And tell them where you're located. Located in Orangeburg, <laughs> South Carolina. Um, I'm going to give my work uh, email. They can contact me from colon.myers at claflin.edu. That's C-O-L-I-N dot M-Y-E-R-S at claflin.edu. C-L-A-F-L-I-N dot E-D-U. That will be in the description. Um, give them the Instagram one more time. It's colon M Myers, C-O-L-I-N-M-M-Y-E-R-S. Make sure you go follow that. Um, he will fly out to take these photos as well. You're going to pay extra for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if you need a digital photo shoot. Hey, holla at Colin. But, oh, we do it all. Thank y'all again for supporting the show and listening and liking and subscribing. You know, you can find me personally, complete spell with the K underscore vision on Instagram. You can follow the podcast at FME underscore podcast. Don't forget about the Facebook group from my experience podcast. Jessica, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at exposure, E-X-P-O-Z-H-E-R. Uh, as well as I stated, uh, my consultant page is Jessica Renee, and that's Renee, R-E-N-E, one E, dot uh, com backslash consulting. Until next time, ne next, next time, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, take care of yourself physically, mentally, financially, 